reading from the book of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around them and among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. A reading from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. We hear them telling in our tongue the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name's Paul. I'm the lead pastor here at the Daniel Island Fellowship. And as we dive into this word, actually these two passages together, I want to begin with one more word of prayer. So please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and 
the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning is going to be like a family gathering. I don't know about your home, but when there's important news to share, I invite all of our family members to huddle around the dining room table so we can share in the news that's rolling out together. And this uh, message is titled, Rise Up. And I want to begin with this question. Have you ever found yourself in an exciting yet confusing situation? Many of you know my wife teaches fourth grade at Palmetto Christian Academy, PCA. And uh, she was hired to teach, um, but she discovered once she got hired that they have other duties that the teachers are responsible for, one of which is the car line. And it's quite the system they have at PCA. The challenge is they don't know my wife cannot multitask that well, and she's also losing a little of her hearing. I'm losing my ability to see, so we make a great pair. So here's how it goes. Uh, they have two uh, car lines at PCA. One's in the front of the building, one's in the back. They split the students and kids up. And they have teachers kind of at the far end of each car line with a walkie-talkie. And then inside or right near the building, they have other teachers with a walkie-talkie and a megaphone. You follow? And it was my wife's turn to be uh, on the receiving end of the walkie-talkie with a megaphone just a couple weeks ago. And she shared a funny uh, encounter. She said it went something like this. Banks, banks, which means banks. So she said, banks, banks, your parents are outside. Go ahead and go out. Plesha, plesha. Plesha, plesha. Your parents are outside. Go ahead and head out. Johnson, Johnson. Johnson, Johnson, your parents are outside. Go ahead and head out to the car. Cannabis, 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 cannabis. Who has cannabis? Cannabis. True, this is a true story. Cannabis. She said it like ten times. Finally, another teacher comes up and goes, "Are you are you saying cannabis?" And Carly's like, yeah, cannabis. Do you have cannabis? <laughs> A preacher's wife. Can you believe it? You see, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, in a similar fashion, leaders from around the world found themselves in an exciting and yet confusing situation. I think the big idea for us both today and in the coming year or two is this. Friends, God wants us to rise up, to look up, and to build up his church. God wants us to rise up, look up, and build up his church. 
So we're going to spend the next few minutes unpacking these points according to our passages this morning. Point one, he calls us to rise up. We read earlier, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If you're like me, you ask, what the heck is going on here? And earlier this fall, we unpacked what it meant to have tongues of fire fall upon these early followers of Jesus, the early church. Today, we're going to look at the breath, the wind that entered that room and entered those believers. What was going on? Well, God was fulfilling his promise by bringing his power. He was fulfilling his promise of old by bringing a power anew. This is why we read two big passages this morning. Thanks for your patience. We read the story of the valley of dry bones from Ezekiel. Let me read some of that again. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he said, or asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to you, or to these bones, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You see, here in this passage in Ezekiel, the Israelites felt that they had been cut out and abandoned by God. They're Their bones were dried up, but more than that, their hope was dried up. They felt cast off. You fast forward to the New Testament, to Acts 2. There's this cosmic event where this pneuma, this breath, comes and fills this place and fills these people with the power of God. And the disciples, they would have known what was happening You see, the question is, have you ever experienced a valley? Have you ever experienced dry bones, the loss of hope, the experience of being cut off or cast out? The gospel is for you. God is saying, I have come that you might have new life, that you might rise up in my love and in my power. I am fulfilling this promise of old by bringing power anew and afresh. And we've heard this. I've heard this throughout this week specifically. Last weekend, we had 58 women go to Camp St. Christopher. And the stories from that encounter, from that experience are are pouring into me. 
I got an email earlier this week of how this one woman had carried shame for decades because her dad had told her, you were not wanted. But through this weekend, through this experience with the Holy Spirit and these other believers, through these women, she says, I know I'm wanted. And I left with a stone with the word courage written on it. Last week, while they were at the retreat, we had a a men's panel, and we had one gentleman courageously share about his struggle with depression and substance abuse, and God bringing healing and hope and sobriety through his life. We had another man share about him falling on his face through the act of infidelity and having to confess that and work through that with his wife and his family. But God's restoring them. We actually put that panel from last Sunday online, and I have a friend from Florida who I haven't connected with in 15 years who struggles with substance abuse and has a broken marriage connect with what's happening here, several states away. I love how Scotty Smith in his devotional puts this. He says, I began this day remembering that your commitment is to make all things new, not make all new things. There's an enormous difference between the two. Indeed, Jesus, you've placed us in a story of restoration, not replacement. You are actively at work in the broken places and among broken people, including me. Through your resurrection, we've been given great assurance and hope for a redeemed universe. This is incredibly good news, the best news ever. For any of you who are new with us today, let me just lay it out there for you. We are a band of brothers and sisters who have been rising up in the power of God for the last five years, in and through clear brokenness. And as Cody shared, I want to share again, we're celebrating our five-year anniversary this fall. And I want to invite you to celebrate that anniversary with us. It's not just a date. It's days and lives and this stories coming together through this good news, bones that have been rattled and brought to new life, relationships brought to new life, hope. Even between the services, I got a text from someone in Arizona that came back to Jesus through our church. God is active in working here in our community. Is he working in your life? He wants to. He wants to pour his love and his power in you and have you rise up with us. Point two, we're called to look up. Acts 2 goes on. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. God doesn't simply call us to his power. He calls us to his purpose. As an early Christian, I did not get this. I did not understand this. I thought it was just me and Jesus. And what God is saying is, I am calling you, Jonathan. I am calling you, Sally. I am calling you, Carly. I'm calling you, Julia. I'm calling you, Dee Dee, to rise up and look up and go out on mission with me. 
Earlier, Jesus had told the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you see, God's call is to transcend racial, national, and linguistic barriers with his love. We looked at this a few weeks ago. It's going to take us out of our comfort zone. And frankly, it's going to take us out of our own capacity. We need God's power for God's mission. And he wants to give it to you and to us. And it's happening right here and right now. Let's see where everyone in the room is from. This was fun in the first service. Who here is from, originally from the northeastern part of the U.S.? Raise your hands. Okay, great. Who here is originally from the Midwest? Raise your hands. Nice. Who here is originally from the Northwest? Raise your hands. Okay, we had one guy in the first service raise his hand and did just start jumping up cheering. (laughs) And he got like an ovation. It was beautiful. How about the West Coast? Who here is originally from the West Coast? There we go. There we go. How about the um, Southwest? including Texas. I know you, uh, see, I don't know what to call you guys. Um, How about the Southeast? There we go. Don't get cocky. (laughs) How about other countries? Yes. I love what God is doing in our community. On the screen behind me, you can see a picture from our women's retreat. And ladies in the back, my wife just, she came back glowing saying, Mercedes and Carla, these people from different countries. It's so amazing, electrifying what God is doing, who he's drawing into our community. Something very special is happening in this picture, but something very special is happening here in our church. And wouldn't you know it, diversity in the gospel draws heaven down to earth. The Bible begins with a promise to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to the nations. Unfortunately, it didn't go so well for the nation of Israel at times. Nonetheless, God says, I called you and I've redeemed you and I've come back for you in Acts 2. And there's this seismic shift we've talked about this fall where God is reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel. 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 (laughs) Babel. And he's saying, I want people from every tongue and every nation to come back to me. And I need you to make it happen. And the Bible ends with these words in this picture, Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So friends, why wouldn't we want this in our church? Over the last year, I think I've seen an impediment or a challenge for us, which is the name of our church has become a barrier to the mission of our church. Why 
I'm getting this question over and over again now. I don't live there on Daniel Island, so would I be welcomed there? And I see some of you nodding your heads. Just You can blink if this is your story. We had uh, people, a lot of people blinking in the first service. And so after a process of discernment with our leadership team throughout the summer, we're going to be changing our name later this fall to One Fellowship. It's simple and accessible, and it builds on our history. We're going to be broadening our mission statement to this statement We are together going to seek to know Christ and make him known to the one and to the many in Charleston and beyond. God is saying, friends, look up. Who's missing? Will you welcome them here? And our leadership is passionately committed to aligning with the mission of God. And our third point is build up. What we see here in Acts and other places when God shows up and starts to move, you get fresh power, you get clear purpose, and then you have realigned or shifting priorities. One of the first things you see is when God moves, new leaders are raised up. Acts chapter 1 before Acts 2, they go together in prayer, they become a body, a church. And then the next thing they do is they tap a new leader. Check it out. Acts 1, 24 and 25. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. When God moves, new leaders are raised up. And over the last six months or year, this has become very clear that God is raising up a new position in need in our church, which is a pastor of discipleship. To walk alongside me and to walk alongside you and help raise you up as we grow up and go out, we need to go deep with Christ and one another. So we've had a search going on nationally and we've received an outside grant to help on-ramp this position. And through 60 applicants, I'm delighted to share that, friends, we have hired a pastor of discipleship. Here's a picture of this fella. His name is Drew Hensley, and that's his wife, Laura, and that's their baby, Silas. They will be moving from Seattle in about a month. He's been a church planner out there, Uh, He, I think, fits our community and culture perfectly. I want you to begin praying for their transition and what God's going to do through Drew's leadership and and what God's doing here in our church family. And of course, as Trenton has transitioned, we also have launched, honestly, an international search for our next director of worship. And we're going to take our time and get that right. But beyond raising up new leaders, God says, build up. Build up my church. Check it out. Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds, excuse me, the proceeds to all as any had need. 
When God moves, the church is built up. And this reminds me of two years ago. We felt like God was saying, where is your permanent home going to be? Can you start to pray and trust me in this process? We looked over all these buildings and all this land. Some of you guys were in the conversation with me. And we brought it before you. And in three weeks, we said, we need to raise $650,000, free and clear. We don't think we're supposed to finance this. Some of you thought I was crazy. Tried to do an intervention. I said, it's an all or nothing deal. It's eight acres right off Daniel Island proper. Would you pray? Would you dare to pray with me? And this one man, he says, Paul, we have to meet. I've had a dream. I said, okay. He said, can we meet at the land? So we met at the land. And I said, "Uh, well, tell me more. You don't really come across as the charismatic type with visions and dreams. It's a dad and a husband here in our church. And he just said, I I had it. I had this vision. I had this dream. And I can see it. I can see the multitudes worshiping on this property. Like, I can see it. And it's so joy-filled. Joy is pouring out of this place. I just had to share it with you. And wouldn't you know it, in three weeks, we raised $650,000. This guy in particular, they sold off a block of uh, stocks that they had in savings. Went above and beyond their tithe, and many of you did, and God moved. God showed up. And here's what I know. The most mission-critical piece to living into our mission is building our permanent church home at this point. The most mission-critical piece to living into our mission is building our permanent church home. Why? Well, we've actually invited in an outside consulting firm to walk with us, discern with us, plan with us. Here are some of the things that we have discovered. First, there's a cost factor. We're paying $11,000 a month in rent for this space, and we don't own it. Did you know that? There's an environmental factor. We are unable to add to or expand our ability to live out our mission. We believe we're really good stewards. Every penny, we try to multiply every which way. But I don't know if you know this, like two or three weeks ago, we had 16 babies, not like toddlers, babies in there with like four to six adults. It's getting crowded, people, right? Then we have uh, the people factor. We are reallocating hours and time to flip this space because it's a temporary space over and over and over again. And we feel God is calling us to build up his church, to go all in with him so that not only we can welcome new people in, but so you can live on mission in and through our facility, lead community groups, lead gatherings, lead whatever it might be. God is moving in our midst. We need to create space for more. And if we want to rise up, and if we want to look up, we must build up with Jesus. So in closing... I dare you to pray. I dare you to pray. For those who are regulars or are members here, I, I ask that you commit to pray with us. 
We are going to be rolling out this whole building process in the new year, and we're going to do it prayerfully and with great wise counsel. But stay tuned. But would you dare to pray with us? Pray, God, would you have me rise up? Some of you have dry bones. Some of you are thirsty for more. Some of you are carrying shame and feel cast out. God says, come in. Find love and power with me. For some, he's calling you to look up. He's saying, I want you, you to be the person to reach your neighbor in your apartment complex. You to be able to reach your neighbor in your new home. You to be able to reach that person that comes through whatever line or wherever you work. Wherever you have any, even the smallest level of influence, would you look up with God? Say, come in, friends. And last but not least, would you build up? Pray for these new leaders God is raising up with us, but build up with us. And I, I just invite you to, to pray this prayer. God, how do you want me to shift my current priorities so they align with your eternal priorities? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our community of faith. God, I invite you to call us to rise up, to look up, and to build up your church. Where you need to do some work in our lives or in our families, where there's disunity, God, would you create clarity and unity as to our next step We want to be all in with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.